0: All right, let's pray. Father, as we come to your word tonight, Lord, once again, we we want to learn and grow and and grasp a hold of your heart, Lord. We have a man here that's uh, speaking to these uh, these people, this group in his generation, and Lord, they seem to me to be a bunch of kind of like discouraged and tired and kind of worn out believers and Lord you use this guy called Malachi to speak to them and speak truth and challenge them Lord where they're at and to encourage them God to trust you and so I pray that we would learn that same thing tonight for each one of us here tonight Lord whether we came in and we're tired from work or tired from a bad week or we've had bad news come our way God I pray that uh, Lord we would just be ready to hear from you and some of us we may even be on the quote the top of the world and doing great and we still need to hear from you so thank you God for giving us this time thank you for your word and we pray these things in Jesus name amen as we've been looking at uh, Malachi he's char- challenged him in so many different ways. If you remember, we started out in the very beginning where their worship kinda, well, their worship stunk, literally. Remember, they were offering up lame and, and, and rotten stuff to the Lord and kinda letting the Lord know, hey, you get the leftovers, here's what you get, and then we went on from there and built up, and we're gonna look at some of those questions in a minute, but remember that this is a group of people who were descendants, I don't know that many of these people actually came from Babylon, maybe some of them in the, in the last wave that came from Babylon, but at least descendants of those who were in captivity for 70 years. God took Israel out of the, out of the land for 70 years because they had not honored God. And one thing I wanna just emphasize over and over again, Israel never quit being Israel they just didn't get to be in the land. God doesn't give up on his people. And I love that, and we're gonna even see that tonight. But they weren't able to stay where God had placed them because he said, take care of my land or I'll kick you out, and he kicked them out. So they've come back, they've rebuilt the temple, they've done some other things. Now, listen, now they're in that place where I think they're just tired, discouraged, I believe the priests aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing and they're kind of taking them and and getting them derailed. So we have this guy raised up, Malachi. Now, as I read Malachi, here's the thing that blows my mind. I don't think he had a lot of great success. I don't think like everybody was saying, oh, Malachi, we're so glad to see you today because he he always gave them bad news and they probably said, oh, here comes that bummer guy. He's gonna be on us again, he's gonna get with us. And so uh, the last time we were talking a lot about, again, about bringing in the the tithes and giving to God, and then he tells us in verse 13, your words have been harsh against me says the Lord, yet you say, what have we spoken against you? Now something I I wanna bring up is over and over and over again Malachi lets them know this is what you're doing and what's really sad is they didn't know they were doing what they were doing. And I think it's a lot like us sometimes, we get tired, things go on in life and we begin to do things and we don't even realize that we're cheating God because we're kinda consumed with what's happening in our lives or consumed with what's coming at us and Malachi has to ask them the questions. Listen what he's asked them so far. Well, he's asked them and then they've responded with this. He says, you have not loved me. And they, or he, God says he loves them. And here's what they say. In what way have you loved us? Then later on in the chapter one, he says, in what way have, you, have we despised your name? In what way have we defiled you? In what way have we wearied you? In what way have you, we robbed you? And then tonight, again, in what way have we spoken against you? you kind of getting the idea. Malachi brings something up and they go, I don't think we did that. Sound like your kids? Right? You catch your kids at something, they go, I didn't do that. Like I just saw you do that. Wasn't me, couldn't have been me, right? And so here's what we do with God. God says, why are you doing that? In what way have I done that? I haven't really done that. So over and over and over, the people of Israel are telling Malachi that. Now I don't know about you, but if I was Malachi, I would be like, stop it, like we do with our kids, right? He says, just quit and let's let's get down to it. So in what way have we spoken against you is what they asked Malachi. Oh, and notice every time I guess we could say God through Malachi has been extremely patient. In what way have we not, or have you loved us? Well, here's how I loved you. In what way have we robbed you? Well, here's how you robbed me. In what way have we wearied you? Well, here's how you wearied me. And here again, in what way have we spoken against you? He says, you have said in verse 14, it is useless to serve God. What profit is it that we have kept his ordinance and that we have walked uh, as mourners before the Lord of hosts? So now we call the proud blessed for those who do wickedness are raised up, even they tempt God and go free. Now here I think is the root of the whole problem in that nation at that time or that group of people. And I think that root comes out of this very last thing that Malachi brings up. In what way, in what way have we spoken against you? Here's what he says. Here's what you said. It's useless to serve God. You see, there was a group of people in Israel that they were tired of following God, that they felt like God was cheating them. They felt like God wasn't being fair to them. They felt like God wasn't coming through for them. For this reason, they were serving God to get something from God. In other words, they were playing at church. Maybe kind of like some of us. We come to church all the time, we open our Bibles, we read it, but in our heart the whole time we're thinking, why am I even doing this? And maybe even something bad will come our way and we go, well, why did I do that? If God was really God and he really loved me, he wouldn't allow this to happen to me. I don't know about you guys, but I've gone through a lot of life, and a lot of times it hasn't seemed, quote, fair, but here's what I know. My God is always in control, no matter what's going on. I remember reading uh, Charles Spurgeon's biography, and I guess he had gout really bad, and I've never dealt with that. I, I haven't had to deal with that, but I guess it's very painful and gross to deal with, and he had it as a young guy because he didn't live. I don't, think he, I don't think Charles Spurgeon reached 50. But he had an episode of gout and he couldn't even get out of bed. It was so bad. And one of his friends, well, we'll put that in quotes. One of his friends came along and they go, hey, I, you know, you're really laid up and you're hurt. And yeah, it's horrible. And his friend goes, where's your sovereign God now? And here's what Spurgeon said. If I didn't believe my God was in charge and in control of everything, I couldn't handle what was going on in my life. What a way to look at it, right? My God's in control. and So these people, listen, these people are going, man, here's what he says. They said, it's useless to serve God. Now let's be a little bit honest. Not, don't raise your hands. I'm gonna ask you a question. Don't raise your hands. How many times have you felt that or said that? As I was studying this, I was thinking of the first time you got to do something. I remember, I remember even way back when I first got saved and we're in this tiny little church in Bisbee, up in old Bisbee, and, and you know something happened, and I don't remember I got to do something for the Lord. Uh, you know, Maybe it was sweeping the floor or something. But how excited, man. I get to do this for Jesus. And then pretty soon you're going, I'm not doing that. Will someone else do that? And I always try and challenge our staff and volunteers. Don't you remember the first time you did that, how excited you were? How stoked? And you remember the first time someone asked you to usher and you went, I get to usher. (laughs) You're so excited. And then now you come and go. I'm gonna usher tonight. Stupid people aren't showing up. And I'm gonna do it. And what use is it serving God? Am I stepping on toes? You see, because I think it's important that we remember that, that we keep in our hearts what a joy it is that we get to do something. And when you get to that point, listen, you're in some serious trouble because here's what develops. Now you're saying, what use is it to serve God? And then here's what you start saying. Look at this person. Look at that person. Look what they have. Even the wicked. Do you ever look at our world and wonder why the wicked do so well? Here's what I think. I don't really care. And I've shared before. Here's something we need to understand. Those people... That's all the joy they're going to get in all of eternity. We should be rooting for them. We should be going for it, man, because this is it. Because after this, you're going to be in serious trouble for all of eternity. So you know what? Enjoy what you have now and not get all uptight, not get all jealous about it. You and I have all of eternity that we get to spend with our God. And when we lose sight of that, is when we start feeling sorry for ourselves. We start looking at others. We start getting upset. We start getting cranky. And you know what, frankly, nobody even wants to be around you. People in church are nice to you, but they really don't want to be around you. They're just nice to you because they're Christians. <laughs> you need to stop it, you need to not be that person then you need to quit looking at the wicked and thinking they have something better and thinking that God doesn't care anymore. So listen, man. when he lays this out, I'm praying that all of us maybe are convicted just a little bit inside about our attitude about things. I know I was. I've shared with you guys before, I gotta read this like all week long. You get it one time. So I gotta think in my own life, hey, do I remember the first time I got to open a Bible and teach the Word and how I thought, yes. Now, I do have to say, I I've, don't remember coming like to Thursday and going, oh my gosh, it's Thursday and those people are going to show up. I don't really remember that. I'm, I'm sure it's there Occasionally. But when that does creep in, here's what I do. I remember when I was teaching on Thursday nights and nobody came. That wasn't fun. I remember teaching four people on Thursday nights for quite a while. So, hey, think about those things and quit looking at the wicked. And, you know, I, I just in some ways wished Malachi would have just said that and, and not worried about, what went on but listen to what he does say listen they're all upset about what other people have and what people who don't know God have and then he says this in verse 16 then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another don't you kind of like that sometimes we get upset because you know what some people are growing spiritually and doing things spiritually and we're kind of just hanging out going we're kicking the dirt and they're moving on And here's what you need to know. You can either get on the bus or get run over by the bus. But the people of God are gonna gather together and they're gonna go forward and they're gonna keep going forward. And hey, I've had to tell sometimes some people on staff or some people that I'm closer to that volunteer, they'll start whining and I'll say, hey, you can either get on this bus or we're gonna run over you. But we're going forward. We're not gonna go backwards. We're going forward. And here's what he says, man. The people of the, that feared the Lord, they got together. They spoke to one another. And then I love this. And the Lord listened and heard them. So a book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord and those who meditate on his name. Now here's what I believe that is saying. I believe that's just saying God hears us and we need to know he hears us. Jay Vernon McGee went on for pages talking about everything in your life, and I've talked about this before. Everything in your life is recorded and you're gonna have to hear it, when, it get, when you get to heaven. I don't think that would be heaven. I don't wanna hear all the things in my life. I even sin now and I don't wanna hear it again. Do you guys? Do you guys really wanna go to heaven? And the Lord says, okay man, For some of us, he's going to need reams of paper. Listen, I don't think that's at all what he's saying. Here's what he's saying. When those who fear the Lord get together, the Lord writes that down. In other words, God hears you. When we come together and we're worshiping and we're fellowshipping and we're talking about the things of the Lord and we're encouraging one another and we're edifying one another, man, the Lord writes that down in a sense. He knows, he hears, he remembers And that should bless our hearts and it should encourage us. And I love the idea that he's doing that and especially for those who fear the Lord. And then he even goes on, it even gets better. Verse 17, they shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts. Remember, these are the guys, some of them are looking at these people and saying, look what's going on. And I know some even these who fear the Lord are involved in that and then they get drug over by spiritual people. You know, you and I need to drag a few people with us. Come on over here. Well, I want to be mad and kick the dirt. I don't care. Come over here. And then they come, and here's what God says, man. They shall be mine. Don't you just love that thought? I love to just sit and meditate that I belong to God. I remember how excited I was when I started dating my wife and how great that was. And then I remember how excited I was when we got married. She's mine, I'm hers. So good. That's how we should feel with the Lord. I'm his. God looks at me and he goes, he's mine. Jesus looks at me, he's mine. The devil looks at me and goes, really? And he says, yeah, he's mine. That one's mine. And that should, listen, that should take us a long way, shouldn't it? I belong to God. He bought me with his blood. I'm his. You really think if he bought you with his blood, he's going to let you go? I've got some valuable things in my life that I paid money for, and I protect them. I've never bought anything with my blood. But if I bought something with my blood, man, I'm not going to let it go. God bought us. He, I'm, and oh, it gets even better. Listen, not only are we his, he says, listen, those who fear the Lord, they shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, on that day that I will make them my jewels or my treasure. Have you ever thought about your God's treasure? I know some people freak out and you know their theology doesn't line up and they get all freaked out. We're his treasure. That's what the Bible says. He, we're His, and we're His treasure. We're His jewels. It's like God. It's like God says, "Oh, wow! Look at you. You're perfect jewel. You'll fit right here. And this jewel will go over here. And this jewel. And He's like placing us in His kingdom. Now, I don't know about you guys, but if I'm in Jerusalem. Hanging out, all discouraged, mad at the world, mad at what's happening, hating what's going on, looking at other people thinking they're okay. And I hear words like that, it's going to change me. When I hear words like, hey, you know what, you might be rich, but I belong to God. You may have all this now, but I'm his, and I'm his treasure. That ought to listen. That ought to get miles and miles and miles. And not only that, he says, listen. They're my treasure. And he says, and I will spare them as a man spares his own son who serves him. At the end of verse 17, verse 18, then you shall again discern between the righteous and the wicked, between one who serves God and one who does not serve him. Do you hear what he's saying? Once you understand verses 16 and 17, verse 18 will come to life and no longer are you gonna say 13, 14 and 15 because now you will be able to discern what's right isn't that the same thing that goes on in Haggai the same thing that goes on remember in the psalm when the psalmist is going man I looked around and everybody's doing good and I was wondering why the wicked were prosperous and life stinks and I hate life and then he says and then I went into the house of the Lord and my perspective changed that's all Malachi is doing he's going listen you can have this perspective where you're kicking the dirt and you're mad and you're feeling like you're serving God and nothing good is coming out of that. Or you can have this perspective that you belong to God and that he bought you and paid for you and that you're part of his treasure. And then all of a sudden, you're gonna discern between good and evil. You're gonna discern between those who are walking with God and those who are not. And you're gonna have good discernment. And that's what, listen, that's what the book of Malachi is all about. You guys turn around and think rightly. Quit, quit asking these questions quit questioning bottom line the faithfulness of God and the goodness of God and start believing that and walking in that you know people come to me sometimes and ask questions that there's some there's some questions that we have about God that we will never be able to answer maybe after like 400,000 years in eternity Maybe we'll have a little glimpse, better, a, a better answer. But there's some things we're not gonna answer. And when people come to me with those things, here's what I always tell them. Trust and believe in the things that you know about God and that you know are true. And don't put all that weight on things you don't know. Because you don't know. And that's gonna drive you crazy. And so here's what he's saying. Trust in the things you know about God and he's brought up and every one of those questions that was asked, he brought up a character of God and something that God is doing and they're saying, we don't understand that. Well, that's because you're not paying attention and because you're asking questions that can't be answered and you're being kind of silly and you need to settle in your heart that God loves you. Jesus Christ died for you that you're his treasure? Tonight when you go home, get a sticky note or lipstick and write on your mirror that you're God's treasure. And then when you wake up in the morning, I want you to read that. Wow, I'm God's treasure. And it's Friday, woo! But (laughs) be God's treasure. Wouldn't that get your day started a little bit better than I have to go to work, I ain't going to work hate my job you really loved your job when you got it i know but i hate it now don't mind it when you get the paycheck no but i still hate doing it in between you're god's treasure put that on your mirror and read that so now listen now he transitions and you know in the in in the, the the jewish bible there's no chapter four chapter three just keeps going and I'm not sure why we did chapter four, but, but we did. Remember chapters, some of you are going, oh, you can't say that. Remember, chapters and verses are not from God. The word is man put the chapters and verses trying to break it up so we would all know where we're at it would be tough to say open the scroll of malachi and read down to where you get to this part and that's where we're going to start today right so we have chapters and verses so we can find our way around but they're not inspired of god so let's think about what he said again uh, well let's just read 16 17 and 18 and then go into on verse 1 of chapter 4 he says those who feared uh, those who feared the lord spoke to one another and the lord listened and heard them so a book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord and who meditate on his name they shall be mine says the Lord of hosts on that day or on the day that I make them jewels my jewels I will spare them and as a man spares his own son who serves him Then you shall again discern between the righteous and the wicked and between the one who serves God and the one who does not serve him. For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven. So you get the idea. Listen, it's all one thought, right? It shouldn't be separated out where we're not bringing it together. You're going to, if you follow God and you understand who you are and you are able to discern between those who serve God and those who do not, the day is coming when... uh, burning like an oven and all the proud, in the middle of verse one, all the proud, yes, all who do wickedly will be stubble and the day which is coming shall burn them up, says the Lord of hosts, that will leave them neither root nor branch. So listen, he is talking about judgment. And there are those who use this verse to talk about a complete annihilation that those who are gonna suffer judgment from God will eventually be burned up. That's not what this verse is talking about. Here's what this verse is talking about. Those who don't know God are going to face judgment. Those who know God are gonna be treasures. Now, once again, that's kind of a no-brainer, right? Do you wanna be in the oven or do you wanna be a treasure and maybe a little jewel on the outside of the oven? I don't want to be in the oven. I fired clay. I turned the oven on real hot, and here's what I know. I kind of think of this, and I think this thing's so hot that instantly things are destroyed. And he says, hey, is that what you want? Is that what you want to face? Because there's that coming day of the Lord. You and I, I believe, most of us believe that that the Lord is coming. He says, behold, the day is coming. God is going to come, And he's going to judge this planet. Whenever people ask me, how come God doesn't do anything about, and you can plug in the about, you know, whether it's, you know, a natural catastrophe, whether it's, you know, some mass murder, some crazy thing going on, why doesn't God do anything? Here's what I tell him He will. He'll take care of it in His own time. God has never called me up and said, hey, Pat, when do you think I should do this? Now? Later. He doesn't ask my opinion. He didn't ask my advice. But here's what I know. He's going to come and he's going to judge the wicked. That day is coming. Notice Malachi didn't say that day might come or we hope that day will come. The day is coming when it's going to be like an oven. And in that day, things will be burned up. And I don't again I don't think he's talking about everybody's going to be burned up as far as as far as annihilated. I think he's talking about anything protecting us, anything good is going to be quote burned away from those who don't know the Lord. They're going to be in the oven. There's some other heat coming for Christians. We're going to read that in a minute. But those guys, that's what they're facing. And that's what they're looking at. And again, someone who used an oven to really burn things up, I get that. And he says, that's going to take place as the Lord of hosts. But look at verse 2. You who fear my name. That's us, right? Remember when he's talking about fearing his name, he's not talking about like fear like, ah, and we're all scared. He's talking about we reverence him. We honor him, right? You who fear my name, the son of righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings and you shall go out and you shall grow grow fat like stall-fed calves. You want to get burned up or do you want to get warmed up? Right? The son of righteousness. And here's the way I interpret this. That oven that he talks about in verse four, I think is the son of righteousness. I think the same sun that will warm some will bring torment to others. And they're gonna have to deal with it. I think when he shows up, for some, it's gonna be a time of joy. For others, it's gonna be a time of gloom. It's gonna be a time of desperation. And here's the sad thing, then it's too late. Once you come face to face with Jesus, if you have not come under his blood and received his forgiveness and received what he's done for you, you come face to face with him, you're going to be judged and there's no turning back. There's no other way around. So listen, man, he says he's gonna have healing in his wings. You shall go out and you shall grow fat like stall-fed calves. Maybe some of us don't quite like that part. I don't think he's talking about obesity. I think he's talking about you're going, to be, you're going to be well taken care of. And then he says, verse three, and you shall trample the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day that I do this, says the Lord of hosts. Once again, he's not telling you and I we need to boast and, you know, don't go around telling wicked people, you just wait, man, someday you're going to be under my feet. <laughs> it's not what he's talking about. Again, he's talking about things are going to be reversed like right now I think a lot of people think you know the wicked have the upper hand etc cetera, etc cetera. and especially if you listen to certain political you know ideas that everybody that has anything is against you and you know and you're just going to be destroyed by that and I think some of us really believe that you know there's these guys and then there's everybody else and they're doing good and then when, you know, the quote, the tables will be turned in eternity. I've shared before, there's a lot of very wealthy, well-to-do people who love God as much as you love God, and we need to know that. But he says, hey, All of those people that you're upset about that they were watching that are doing well, the proud or arrogant and and et cetera, don't worry about it. Their time is coming and you and I need to know that. We need to be praying for them. We need to be concerned about them. And then as he's talking about the day of the Lord, listen, in verse four, he says, remember the law of Moses, my servant, which I commanded him in Horeb for all Israel with the statutes and the judgments. Here's what he's saying. You guys have to remember Malachi was the last prophet and the last, quote, voice for God for 400 years. And he's calling them. And here's the sad thing. They didn't remember. How do I know that? Well, I read the New Testament. And I also know that in 70 AD, the temple was destroyed. Why? Because they didn't remember the ordinances of Moses, they didn't care about him. And once again, you and I, listen, it's not something, quote, are we under the law? No, but we should love the law. Why, because the law is the law of God. We shouldn't be people who just like poo-hoo it. It's not, it's not over us, it's not, it's not you know that, that thing that we gotta keep every one of those. It's those things that we look at and go, man, I desire that in my life, why? Because God said that was good. So he says, remember those things, and then then comes the difficult verse. Behold, in verse five, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming and the great and dreadful day of the Lord. So now we come to that verse, that what on earth is Malachi talking about? I don't know. But I do know He's talking about the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And I do know the great and the dreadful day of the Lord hasn't happened yet. Not much I know. So is he talking about, and there's a big argument, there's, there's a people, and, and you can look up these verses later on, Matthew chapter 10, Matthew chapter 17, where Jesus talks about John the Baptist being. The prophet Elijah, or coming in the spirit of the prophet Elijah, he explains that. Then Luke chapter 1 talks about John the Baptist the same way. And John chapter 1, where John the Baptist said, I'm not Elijah. So you got to work all of those out, and you got to read them, and that's your homework for this week, is to work all of those and figure out what exactly is going on. It's pretty clear that John the Baptist came in the power and the spirit of Elijah. There's no doubt about it. They were pretty similar in things they did. So I believe, listen, I believe that with all my heart, but I don't believe he was the fulfillment of Malachi chapter four. Why? Because the great and dreadful day of the Lord hasn't happened. John the Baptist was a forerunner, if if you will, of the time of grace where Jesus Christ is gonna come and die for our sins. And he pointed all of that out. Now, I believe, listen, I believe Elijah is going to come again. Why do I believe that? Because that's what Malachi says. And I believe he's really going to show up in person. Now, I know he showed up on the, on the Mount of Transfiguration, right? Remember when Jesus went up on the Mount of Transfiguration and Peter got all freaked out? Now, you know what? Every time I read that, I, I, I got to be honest. Peter says, Moses and Elijah were here. How did he know that was Moses and Elijah? It's not like he had pictures. It's not like they wore, maybe they wore Calvary Chapel badges. How did he know? I mean, I, I, I do wonder that. Now, obviously, there was some identifying things that went on, no doubt. But, you know, I always think, how come we don't get the whole story? Because I think they were not given the whole story. But Moses and Elijah show up. There are those who say that was the fulfillment of Matthew, or I'm sorry, Malachi chapter 4. It couldn't be because then after that wasn't the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Remember, there's that part you can't do away with. So I believe Elijah's coming again. Revelation chapter 11 talks about the two witnesses, the two witnesses, a lot of people. I believe, listen, I believe, obviously, I think one of them has to be Elijah because that's a coming before the great and a dreadful day of the Lord. Who the other one is, that's up for grabs. You can, you know, do your research, and again, it's always fun, and I'm not gonna die on my sword that the one is absolutely Elijah. Elijah may come in another way. I'm, I, I kind of really feel it is, but if you, if you were somebody and you said, Pat, you know what, I completely disagree with you and you showed me stuff, I'd say, okay, maybe you're right. As long as you know he's still coming. Don't tell me he came already. And don't tell me 70 AD was a great and dreadful day of the Lord. It was a really bad day for Israel, but I don't think it was a great and dreadful day of the Lord that he's talking about. But the thing that Elijah did or is going to do, and the thing that John the Baptist did is kind of interesting. Listen, he will come on the great and dreadful day of the Lord, and it says, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers. I think John the Baptist had some ministry that did that. I don't think every father was ending up being, you know, here's the way I interpret that. The dads are going to become good dads and the kids are gonna become good kids. And so you're looking at your kids right now going, well, that's not true. But I do, listen, I do believe there was that going on. And I believe there's that going on now. For those who love the Lord, if you're a parent tonight and you love Jesus and you're following Jesus, that's gonna make you a better parent just because of your relationship with him. As you follow him, as you listen to him, as you allow him to guide you, that's gonna make you a better parent. So there's no doubt, but I believe, listen, I believe what he's talking about here, I believe is a miraculous thing that's gonna happen when Elijah shows up. And even the Jews today, hey, the Jews today are expecting Elijah. Why, because they believe Malachi chapter four. So you have that going on. Oh, and then it ends with this, and the Jews hate this. Listen how, this is the last book of the Old Testament before, you know, anything. And for the Jews, this is the last word in their Bible. Listen to the last word in their Bible. Lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. Wow. How would you like your Bible to end up with this? Curse. That kind of stinks, right? And you know what the Jews do? They read verse five again. They don't quit on verse six. They read verse five because they're not gonna quit on the curse. They're not gonna do that. But here's what God promises. That if he doesn't show up and the fathers don't turn the hearts to the children and the children turn their hearts to, the, to their fathers, God is going to show up and once again is that judgment that curse now as you think about it 400 silent years after those words and think about that time the theologians call it the intertestamental period from the time malachi spoke to the time john the baptist came on the scene you have no word from God no well let me put it this way there's there's not God using somebody God was doing a lot of things you can go read Daniel and Daniel gives us the details of that time period so it wasn't like God wasn't working he just wasn't speaking and he wasn't giving direction to Israel and then listen and then all of a sudden John the Baptist comes on the scene and what is John's first words repent to these people that, you know, it's almost like, it's almost like Malachi is right there with him. You need to change. You need to repent because for 400 years, you guys forgot that Malachi said, if you don't do this, there's going to be a curse. And I believe part of that curse was 70 AD when the temple was destroyed. And you know, the modern state of Israel, the Jews in Israel today need to realize until they turn their hearts towards God, they're going to have trouble and complications and things going on in their lives and in their country, and they need to quit blaming everybody else in a sense. Our one guide that we use, Ronnie Simone, goes, how come God does this stuff to us? I tell him, here's what I tell him, read your Bible. You don't even have to read the New Testament, read the Old Testament deuteronomy chapter 28 gives it pretty clear if you do these things here's what's going to happen to you and the jews go how come these things are going on you don't even have to read the whole bible just read deuteronomy chapter 28 and you will know why what's going on in your heart and christians those of you who are kicking the dirt right now and you're mad and you're angry and you're looking around and maybe even you're looking at some other believers in the fellowship going, how come that happens in their life and my life stinks? Well, because that's your attitude. You come to God expecting God and thinking that God owes you something. Here's what God owes you and me, eternal damnation. That's what he owes us. By his grace, we are saved. Why? I don't know. I have to look at myself, and I have to be honest. Why would God let me in? Because he's a gracious God. Trust me, he didn't look at me and go, wahoo, look what I get. (laughs) Sometimes I think even God goes, for reals? And here's what I tell him: You got me now. Your word says you're not going to go back on it. You bought me with your blood. Remember. So saints, maybe we've had a hard week. Maybe we've had a hard month. Maybe we've had a hard beginning of the year. Maybe we've had a hard ten years. Maybe we've had a hard life. It's not God's fault. Don't blame God, look to God in the midst of the difficulties, look to him in the middle of those situations and don't be like the people in Malachi's day and say, when did we say that? When did we do that? Here's what's God gonna say. You did it here, you did it here, you did it here, you did it here. Just like he told them every time they go, well, when did you love us? Well, I loved you when I did this. When did we rob you? When you quit giving me your tithes and offerings. When did we weary of you? Well, when you quit doing it and God went on and on and on. And the same with us. Don't question God, question yourself. And if you feel far from God, I know who moved, not him, you. So move back to him and tonight, man, if you need to, you get right with God, you repent and you turn back to him and you understand how much he loves you. You belong to him if you're a believer and you're his treasure, hallelujah. Let's stand up and pray. Father, as we wrap up this book and think about all of the ins and outs and the complaining and the, the quote, the whining and everything that went on, I believe it's so good to end this, not, not just with that last verse, but end it with this last section and have that understanding for those who love God and fear him, those who meditate on his word, those who draw near to him. My Bible says that he will in no way ever cast out. So God, I thank you that you're completely honest about what's gonna happen to those who reject you. But I believe you're even more honest about what's going to happen to those who love you and so jesus maybe tonight we are just a little bit disgruntled maybe even our relationship with you and maybe even our serving you maybe some of us came tonight and we weren't we weren't overthrilled with ushering or greeting or working in the 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 uh uh, information center or coffee house or bookstore or sound room or media room, children's ministry, they can't hear us, but maybe we just kind of came and we went, Gah. I pray that tonight our hearts would be overwhelmed with a sense of joy that, God, it is an amazing thing that you would even let us get close to doing anything for you. And that we would appreciate that. And bring our hearts back to your heart, God. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.